uh, but I, I'm thankful for what God has done. He has blessed us beyond measure. You know, we, no matter what time of year we're in, we can always uh, look up to God and thank Him uh, over and over again for the different things that He's done, and I'm thankful for it. But I want to get into His Word uh, tonight, and uh, it, it's Psalm 85. So Psalm 85, we're going to start in verse 1. Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sins, Selah. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw, draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Uh, show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, uh, for he uh, will speak peace unto his people and to his saints uh, but let them not turn again to folly. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for its truth. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to preach tonight, Lord, that you would fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit, uh, but not me only. Lord, I pray that you touch all of us. Lord, teach yeah, us Lord. your word. Lord, uh, uh, if there's areas that need conviction, Lord, I ask that you would make it clear. Lord, uh, encourage us tonight. Draw us closer to you. Let us learn from you, trust in you. And Lord, we love you and we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray and amen. amen. So, you know, I was looking... Uh, at this psalm, and there's this is a good one. I, I've actually preached from this one before. It's been quite a few years. Uh, I, so whenever I've preached a, uh, a something before, I like to go back and look at it. But uh, when I looked on my kind of record thing, it said paper notes. So that tells me I'd have to go dig out uh, the right notebook of the right year, and it would take a lot longer to find it. I can find it, but uh, uh, so I uh, didn't use anything from before. But I know last time I preached, uh, I focused focused on turn us from verse four. We'll talk about that, uh, but I, that's not going to be the focus of tonight. Uh, but right from the beginning of this psalm, one of the things you see, it says, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. So you see the psalmist right off the bat is remembering what the Lord has done. He, this is a uh, verse one. He is talking about what's the Lord done and, and not just what he's done, but what he's done with the promised land. You see that in the first verse. So remember the Lord's uh, chosen people. He chose Israel as his people and he gave them the promised land. He chose that land, chose that certain spot. He didn't let Abraham go pick whatever he wanted. He said, here's where it is. You walk it out. This is what I'm giving to you uh, forever. And uh, so one of the things as you go through uh, the history of Israel in the Old Testament, they had multiple times of captivity. So we could guess, and many have guessed, when verse 1 is talking about like what, what captivity is it? Was it after the Babylonian captivity? Uh, and that's a big one. But they, they went in captivity a bunch of times. They went in captivity in the Judges. 
you know, before the king. So we don't know uh, exactly when uh, this is. And you could guess, but I, I, I believe this is a, a statement for every time they went in captivity, uh, they were, God brought them back again. And I, I'll tell you what, they may go into captivity again, I don't know, but God's going to deliver them again. Amen. Uh, so this is a, a thing they can look back and remember that God always brought his people back to their land and his land. Uh, and they could look back on that. And one of the things they could remember it and then also be thankful for it. Thank you, Lord, uh, that you brought us back to that land. That's what the Jews could say. Uh, but again, it's kind of vague at when, but I think it works for every time. But look at verse two. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sins, Selah. Verse three, thou hast taken away all thy wrath and thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. I'll tell you what's more important than the land for the Lord, and that's the people in the land. Amen. Uh, aren't you glad? Uh, yes, he cares about the promised land, but he cares about the people even more uh, and the relationship with him. And you read these verses. These verses could pretty much fit in the New Testament right here. You read them, and I say praise God for that. Look at what it says. It's talking about a complete forgiveness of sin. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Do you see that? Uh, and then in verse 3, thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Uh, I say praise God for that. You know, the devil would like us to believe that the, uh, that the Lord has forgiven a whole bunch of stuff, but then there's this stuff over here that he hasn't forgiven. Salvation wouldn't work if that were the case. If I was carrying some sin and not all my sin, I couldn't make it into heaven. That's why they talk about purgatory where you got to work it off and everything else. But I'm here to tell you, if you are forgiven by Jesus Christ, he has forgiven all that sin. He's covered it all by the blood. All of it's been cast as far as these is from the West. And I'll say something controversial because not everybody believes this, but I believe the moment you're saved, he's forgiven past sins, current sins, and future sins the moment you're saved. Otherwise, you'd have to keep getting saved over and over again. He's forgiven all of it. Amen. Our sins have been forgiven because they're covered by the blood. And he, Jesus Christ, he took away the wrath from us because he took the wrath himself. Right. That's what he did. That's how he can take it all away because he took it all himself. I'm glad. Like I said, no purgatory, complete forgiveness of sins because we had a complete sacrifice. If anything was lacking in our forgiveness, then you're looking at the cross and saying Jesus' sacrifice is lacking. It's not. And I'm glad we don't have to re-sacrifice him over and over again. I'm glad our cross doesn't have Jesus still on it. Amen. I'm glad it's over. Praise God. Verse 4. This is the one I focused on last time I preached it. Turn us, O God of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. So remember the first three verses are dealing with God's mercy, right? God's mercy in restoring the Jews to their land. God's mercy in forgiveness of sins. God's mercy in removing the wrath uh, that comes from sin uh, that goes in it. Uh, and so now the sins of the people uh, is what led them to captivity, right? If, if you go in the Old Testament, uh, if we're going to ask, uh, we don't know when, which captivity verse 1 is, but I believe it's all of them. So if you go back every single time, 
time and look at what led the Jews into captivity. It's all because they rebelled against God. Usually it was religiously. They had other idols. Uh, they, they, they worshiped other gods. Uh, they did these things that God told them not to. Uh, and then instead of turning and listening to prophets or listening to whoever, uh, listening to the word, uh, they, God would bring, let, allow them to go into captivity. They'd be there for a while. They'd wake up one day. They'd pray to God for deliverance. But again, every time it was sin. Sin is what led them into captivity every time. So what is he saying, right? Well, the Bible, if you look at the Old Testament, one of the things you learn is the Jews were slow to learn, right? They, they never quite were learning it. They kept falling into the same trap, just like we are today. Amen? Don't we fall into the same things? We think that, my goodness, uh, I'll tell you one thing I've had to struggle with different times over my Christian life is, is priorities, right? You put the Lord first, uh, you know, and all things will be, he'll take care of everything in your life. I believe that today, don't you? But how many times have I tried to then flip the priority level and think that it'll be okay? And then I got to learn the lesson again. And I tell you what, if someone read the book of my life, they'd say, man, he's a slow learner, isn't he? You'd think he'd have learned the first three times he tried to put something in front of God's will that it, that it wouldn't work. But aren't you glad God's mercy but I believe the psalmist is starting to realize in verse 4 that Israel is turning down the same road they've gone down many times. Right? And what's he saying? Turn us. He is thanking God in verses 1 through 3. He's looking back and saying, praise God, uh, you brought us out of captivity. Praise God, you've forgiven our sins. Praise God, your wrath uh, has, been, uh, has been turned uh, and everything else. But God, we are getting ready to go down the same path we've gone down many times, the path of sin, the path of rebellion. And what the first part of his prayer, asking God to do something, he's saying, turn us, turn us. You notice what he's not asking? He's not asking God to change, right? Yeah. That's what a lot of people do. He's not asking the scripture to change. That's what a lot of others do, right? They either change who God is, change what God believes, change what's right and wrong, change the word, change everything else. That's not what they're doing. He's saying, Lord, we need to repent. We need to turn. We need to get back to the place in our nation where we need to be. And to do that, individual hearts need to turn. That's what he's saying. I think a lot of us are too afraid to pray a prayer like this. Turn us. Right? That's what he's saying. God, move me where I need to be. God, point me. And, and I don't believe God is going to do all the work, but I believe what he does is he points things out, points us in the right direction, and then we make a choice. Right? That's what we do. We're afraid of God's response, aren't we? We pray this prayer genuinely. He's going to say, okay, you're going this way. You need to go this way. That's what God does. He doesn't force you. Now, we need help in this, but he's not going to force. He'll just light up the path, right? He'll use his word. He'll use the Holy Spirit. And then what? He leaves it up to us. Amen? What are we going to do? We're going to keep the status quo. We're going to keep doing what's normal. We're going to make excuses. We're going to wait. Or are we going to turn? That's the question. If God's angry at our direction... Don't we want him to turn us? Don't we want us, yeah. him to show us what we need? 
And that restoration, restoration and mercy and everything else, it required turning. It required moving. Turn us, Lord. Look at verse 5. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? That's a question. Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Another question. But see, his question, and I like questions, the first part, wilt thou be angry with us forever, is already answered in verse 3. What did he say? Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. He's already answered the question. Right? You know why? Because the devil's going to lie to you. And it's going to tell you, maybe God's forgiven you in the past, but he's not going to forgive you now. Isn't that what he says? Oh, yeah, you're saved, or you think you're saved, but you've gone too far now. You've went too far. You've done something. You really messed up. God's done with you. Will God be angry with us forever? And you know what? I don't think that question's directed at the Lord. I think it's a rhetorical question. I think it's a question where the psalmist and the reader and us today have to look at it and answer the question ourselves, right? When we repented, when we came to Jesus for salvation, when we turned, was he angry with us forever? No, praise God. Amen. He's not angry at us anymore. And if we're on the wrong track, if we're chasing after the cares of this world, if we're forsaking his will, if we're forsaking prayer, if we're not getting into his word, if we're not walking by faith, will he be angry with us forever? That's the question. Not if we turn. If you keep going down the wrong path, yeah, he's going to be frustrated. No different than a parent gets frustrated at a child that won't stop going down the wrong way, no matter how many times they're chastised. Will he be angry with us forever? No, 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 not if we repent. But then it goes back to, are we willing to turn? What's the next question? This is the one that caught me. Verse 6. Will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Remember I said Christmas is close. That means New Year's is close. Week and a half. We'll be in 2024. And let me ask you this question. If we look back at this year and how the world's doing, Right? The direction the world's going. And then if we look at the next year and we project the world going in the same direction at the same speed or faster, right? What are we going to say? Next year is going to be worse, right? That's what we'll say. Next year will be worse than this year. But then the question is, if the Lord showed mercy this year, does that mean revival will never come? That's what he's asking. Will thou not revive us again? And look at the question even closer. Will thou revive us again? That thou tells me, that one word reminds me that revival comes from the Lord. Amen? That's where it comes from. And in the King James, remember the people don't like the these and the thous, but it's important. If it starts with a T, thou, it means it's singular. Will thou revive us again that means it's the lord yeah. it's not the lord plus it's not a whole group it's not singers it's not preachers it's not you it's not it's the lord he's the one that can revive in him alone or it would say will you not revive us again if it was a whole bunch it's will thou 
Revival can't come from me or you. None of these other things, a guest preacher, but from the Holy Spirit. But look, will thou not revive us again? You know what I also noticed? He doesn't say, will thou not revive them again? Right? That's what I like to say. Them. God, won't you save them? Why don't you heal them? Why don't you re-energize them? And the psalmist got it right. Will thou not revive us again? All of us. Again. And I like it says again. Because again we can go back. And know that he's done it before. And he can do it again. Amen. Amen. Not just a specific group. Not just the lost. All of us need revival. Yes, the lost need to turn to Jesus for salvation, but the church needs to turn to see God move. Amen? So then the question is this, what does revival look like? I think some people it's been so long or some people have been said, uh, one of the things I've noticed talking with somebody uh, about the Lord that's in a, it's in a different group uh, that, that you know claims Jesus but isn't really... Uh, I notice they use some of the same terms we do, but they don't mean the same thing. In fact, I'll hear a term I've said my whole life from the Bible, and then I have to ask, now, what does that mean? Because when you say it, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, I'll give you a hint. A group that would call an elder someone that's a teenager doesn't make sense to me. But that same group will use a word, uh, I'm almost forgetting where I'm going, but uh, we will see groups say revival, and then you'll hear, okay, well, what does that mean? You're calling it a revival. Well, what that means is we're going to get some special people in. We're going to put a date on the calendar. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Uh, we're going to get loud. We're going to get the music up. We're going to do all these things. And then we're going to have an emotional experience, right? And be happy, clap our hands, do it for a while, and then go home. That's not revival. Not by the Bible. What's it say? Verse 6. Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? So the first part is worship, right? But rejoice in him. Not rejoice in the preacher. Not rejoice in the singers. Not rejoice in, in anything else or, or any, any, any wildness or anything else. It, a revival is true worship of God in spirit and in truth. Uh, that uh, revival, you, you can't have, well, I'll just do it the other way. You can't have revival without worshiping the Lord. It can't happen. Now, I see people try to get in the way, but it doesn't work. And you can't do it. You know, the Lord often talks about worship that he doesn't like and he doesn't accept. You know, there's been times in the Bible where he said, I don't even want your sacrifice till you turn your heart to me. So it's not just worship, not praising men, but praising our Lord. See, that's the easier one, but look at verse 7. What does revival look like? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. See, this gets a little closer, right? I believe another part of revival is mercy. Amen? Right? We see it. We see mercy. And again, what is that? Mercy is not something I deserve. In fact, it's the opposite of what I deserve. Right? That justice would be getting what we deserve. Mercy is him giving us something undeserved. That's why when he uh, saves your soul, when he forgives your sins, when he turns wrath, that's mercy. Amen? Amen. And I believe we see it. 
the amazing grace of God. When the church finds mercy from our wanderings and backslidings and rebellion and everything else, that's revival, right? When we see people who, yes, they might be in the pews with us, and yes, it might be the person in the mirror uh, that seems to be all right, but then when we see the mercy of God really turn and really energize some of that's revival, isn't it? When we've been revived, when we say revive us again, we look back at what happened. God made a change. Andy saved the lost. That's the other part of it. Grant us thy salvation. Yes, we'll see the lost saved. But it's always the church turning in mercy first, then the lost. Hopefully I haven't lost everybody. Verse 8. Let's dig deeper. What's revival look like? True worship of the Lord. Uh, uh, the church getting mercy from the Lord. Turning uh, the lost finding salvation. Verse 8. I will hear what the God, the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. So revival brings worship. Revival brings mercy. But revival brings obedience. Yeah. That's what it is. Verse 8. I will hear what the Lord will speak. The opposite is I will ignore the Lord when he's speaking. Ooh. What's that sound like? Well, it's not literally stopping your ears. But I'll tell you what, I've gotten into his word, which is him speaking to me. And I've, not, I've read it. Right? You can read something and not read something. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Just like you can hear something and not hear something. Husbands, amen, right? And that's what he's talking about. I believe when, you're, when I'm going through his word myself and I hit something and God says, look at that right there. And not, not because I need something from my head, but he's saying, look right there. And I ignore it. That's not revival. That's, that's normal living, right? Unfortunately, but revival's turning. And saying, you know what, Lord, you're right. I need to do that. When you're speaking, I need to listen. And the best way that I can listen to the Lord speaking is do what he says. That's it. That's taking it to the next level. For he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. Let them not turn again to falling. I look at that and I say, you know what? What do people need today? What are we missing today? For a lot of people, it's peace. Yeah. Right? Peace of mind. Uh, just, just peace. Can't find peace in making decisions. Uh, peace in the home. Peace in the workplace. Just missing. And God says that it comes after these things. See, it's the turning first. The revival Right? The worship, the mercy, then the obedience, then the peace. We can't skip. That tells me I can pray for peace and not get it if I'm not being obedient, not turning. Because that's what we want, right? We just want to speak things into existence, right? That's what we want to do. Notice we're not speaking peace into our life. Because I get a lot of people that say that. You just say it, right? If I... If I just speak it, 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 will, it will happen, right? Like I'm a, talking to a genie or something like that. No, he's speaking the peace. Yeah. It, if I could talk my way into something, I'd already have it, right? My mouth's moving all the time. But I can't do that. 
I need him talking it into me, right? He didn't create this earth with me talking. He spoke it into existence. Yeah. Amen? And that's the same power we need today. But again, turning and then going through these other things. You know, at Revival, I, f I feel like ultimately the Lord speaks as people hear and they obey. I didn't read the rest of the psalm. We're not going to go through it, but I'll just read it real quick. Verse 9, surely his salvation is nigh to them that fear him. That glory may dwell in our land. See, these are results. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. What a beautiful psalm tonight. What a wonderful, and I'll tell you what, I, I can just go back to verses 2 and 3 and just keep thanking God for that. All our sins have been covered. All the wrath is gone. Not because of me, but because of Jesus Christ. So in turn, there's some things we got to turn from. Amen? There's some things we got to repent. And we'll, no better time than the present. And uh, I know a lot of us, Make New Year's resolutions, and you can start one now, or you can start it on the first either way. But a lot of those things fall by the wayside. But one of the things we need to keep in front of us is obedience. Amen. And sometimes that requires turning. But I want the revival, the peace, the mercy all that comes out of revival, don't you? The lost being saved, us drawing closer to the Lord, that's what I want, don't you? And I believe that should be our prayer for this coming year. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? The question is not for him, the question's for us. I'm going to open up the altar tonight.